glad to be able to do that from time to time. Next month's going to be awesome, I can assure you. Well, um, today I'm going to just show the verses on the screen. You're welcome to turn if you'd like. I normally have a text, I mean 95% of the time, but it's Mother's Day, and I thought it might be appropriate to show the verses on the screen because I, I'm, I'm preaching somewhat of a textual message today as opposed to an expository message. So we're going to be looking at different places in Scripture, and you're welcome to turn if you'd like. But I want to talk to you just for a few moments about sayings from a Christian mother. And, you know, it's amazing, but moms can be famous for certain things they say. And so I wrote down a few of those. Tell me if anybody remembers these coming from your mother. Most of these are ones that I wrote down because my mother said them. Okay? Because I said so. That's why. Do I have any, anybody in agreement today? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Here's one. Don't cross your eyes or they'll stay that way. Okay. I suppose if somebody else's mother let him jump off the Empire State Building, you'd want me to let you do it too. All right? I've heard that one on on several occasions. I was raised in a single-parent home by my mother, so I have a lot of this. If you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. I figured that one would be massively popular. (laughs) If you don't think I mean it, just try me. All right, here's one. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. (laughs) I love that one. Mom would say that all the time. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You said, what did you say? I said in fear and trembling, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I never corrected her. I never did. I may not be right, but I am your mother. Somehow that got got away with some things that she wasn't doing right. You don't, no, here it is. You think that I say these things just to hear the sound of my own voice? Oh, I got a few there. All right. Eat what is in, put in front of you. Think of all the starving people in Africa. <clears throat> all right, good. I figured that might be everybody, man. Here it is. You're full, huh? Then I guess you're too full for dessert. Oh, that was, so, that was cruel. Actually cruel. But anyway, <clears throat> these are what we might call mamalies. Mamalies. These are things that mothers say. But there are other things that a Christian mother would say. And I want to I cover these things. And really, when we think about these things, it really applies, yes, specifically and most importantly this morning to mothers, but to parents and even to coaches, to people who have been given the opportunity to build up a generation of young people to serve the Lord. So number one, let me give you some things. These are things that I heard from my mom for sure. That's why I can write them down and make it a little personal this morning. First of all, the first thing that Christian mothers say, my mom said, was, son, I'm expecting you to behave yourself. Son, I'm expecting you to behave yourself. I, I, I come to this conclusion because my mother had expectations of me. Now, I was raised in a single parent home by my mom. My mom and dad, unfortunately, were divorced at a very young age. And so we lived with mom, and dad had us every other weekend. And then mom moved, and we ended up just basically being raised by mom. And so my mom actually had high expectations of our behavior and of our obedience. Now, there's some great scripture along these lines, advice given to us as kids by the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then it says that it may be well with thee. And why will it be well with thee? That that thou mayest live long on the earth. There's actually a reward given in Scripture for children who obey their parents. And then some advice to fathers not to provoke their children to wrath. But then ultimately we all should have the, the, the goal of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I believe this can only be done when parents expect their kids to behave. I'm grateful for the fact that my mother expected me to behave. But I'm afraid that there's many parents and a lot of kids today that are being raised up in homes where their parents don't have any expectations for them. And I'd like to... I'd like to be a part of that changing, that parents would feel part of their role while we have the chance to parent our kids in the home is to have high expectations of their behavior. I have something I wrote in my Bible literally 14 years ago. I, I can barely read it, but I, I practiced it a lot. It's a little, it's a little thing I, I read in a magazine called this. And I'm going to try to read it to you this morning. You ready? It's called this. The meanest mother in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, I had to eat cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had cakes and candy for lunch, I had to eat a sandwich. And you guessed it, it, my supper was different from the other kids too. And my sisters and two brothers, they had the same mean mother. My mother insisted on knowing where I was at all times. You'd think we were on a chain gang. She had to know who our friends were, what we were doing. She insisted that if we said that we would be gone an hour, that we would be gone an hour or less, not one hour and one minute. I am nearly ashamed to say it, but she actually struck us. Can you imagine someone hitting a child just because they disobeyed? Now you can begin to see just how mean she really was. And the worst is yet to come. We had to be in bed by 9 or 10 each night and up early the, mo- uh, the, the next morning. We couldn't sleep till noon like our friends. So while they slept, my mother actually had the nerve to, to break the child labor laws. She made us work. We had to wash dishes, make beds, learn to cook, and all sorts of other mean things. I believe she laid awake at night thinking of mean things to do to us. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if it killed us. And sometimes it nearly did. By the time we were teenagers, she became much wiser and even more intolerable and unbearable. None of us were able to toot the horn of a car when we were able to drive for people to come running to the car. She embarrassed us to no end by making our dates come to the door to get us I forgot to mention that while my friends were dating at the mature age of 12 and 13, my old-fashioned mother refused to let me date till I was actually in college. None of us children have ever been arrested or beaten his mate. Each of my brothers served his time in the service for his country. And when and whom do we have to blame for the terrible way we turned out? You're right, our mean old mother. Look at all the things we missed. We never got to march in a protest parade, take part in a riot, burn our draft cards, and a million and one of the things our friends did. 
Mother forced us to grow up into God-fearing, educated, honest adults. Using this as my background, when trying to raise my three children, I stand a little taller, and I am filled with pride when my children call me mean. Because you see, I actually thank God he gave me the meanest mother in all the world. Wow. That's so powerful. I can relate to some of that. I really can. I remember growing up, and I desperately wanted to be popular. I wanted to be in, man. I mean, it's hard. Peer pressure is incredibly hard. Because, you, 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 you're, you know, your, your hormones are, you know, as a teenager, developing. You know, you're, you're wanting to fit in. You're wanting to be cool. And it's always the majority, usually, you know, that's doing the cool stuff. And so there was a guy in our school named Robbie Robertson. And Robbie was the coolest kid, the best-looking kid. He had the prettiest girlfriend by far. He had the most money. And his parents seemingly let him do anything he wanted. Every Friday night, Robbie would have a party. Every Friday night. We didn't know this at the time, but his parents would leave for the weekend, and that's when he would have these parties. So Friday night, we'd all get invited to the party. And so the first Friday night, I remember asking my mother if I could go. This is in New Orleans where I was raised. And I said, Mama, there's a party tonight. And she'd always ask a zillion questions. You couldn't answer them all. Where's the party? Who's going to be there? What parents are going to be there? What are they like? Where do they work? I'm like, Mom, this is impossible. I don't I mean, I just want to go to the party. Answer all the questions or I can't let you go. I gave up the first week, the second week I asked, and I still couldn't answer all the questions. Finally, after five weeks, I just kind of gave up. I thought, well, you know what? doesn't look like I'm going to get to go to this thing. My mean old mother, but raised in a single-parent home, it would have been easy to sneak out of the house. I mean, so easy. She slept on the second floor of an apartment duplex we lived in. We slept on the bottom floor, my brother and I. It would have been so easy to slip out the window or even the front door. I mean, she would not have even heard us. And that would have helped me not to have to deal with all the ridicule on Monday that my mean mother caused me to have to endure as my friends would make fun of me. And the little girl that I kind of liked named Jan Henry, my first little girl that I thought was cute, I'd have to find out that she always hung out with another guy on Friday nights because I couldn't go. Well, anyway, that's my life. That's my mean old mother. And then 20 years old, I went back to New Orleans to visit my family, and I remember wanting to go back to the old school. You know, visit the old school. Just see the old friends. Just hang out. Maybe, you know, just in, in, and see where I used to play ball and different things. So I go to New Orleans. My dad lets me borrow his car. I'm 20 years old. And I'm looking around St. Catharines of Siena, the memories of the old nuns that used to spank me with the, the little, you know, paddle ball things, you know. I mean, great life. And I'm, I'm walking by a park bench, and on that park bench, man, it's weird, but I thought I knew this guy. But I, I, there's no way I, I, I could recognize him. I mean, he was sitting on a park bench. He looked homeless. His teeth were... Not even in, in his mouth. He, he, boy, this guy was in rough shape. And I walked past about five. I should have stopped and said hello, given him a track or something. From, but I didn't. I just kept walking. And then I heard these words, Eric Capaci. That was crazy because it was coming from that guy. And I turned around, and then it hit me. It was Robbie Robertson. Man, I couldn't believe it. I, I embraced Robbie like he was my best friend, like we just saw each other yesterday. We were friends. We both started on the basketball team. We embraced one another, and 
hugged one another, and I pushed back. He, he smelled awful, and he looked awful, but I didn't see that at the moment. It was just good to see an old friend. And I said, Robbie, what's going on? He said, oh, man, first you, Eric. Look at you, man. You look good. And I was, I was dressed probably without the jacket, but I was dressed nice. And he said, man, what? what so what are you doing? I said, well, you're not going to believe it. It's crazy. I'm a preacher. I'm going to actually be a pastor one day. I'm going to Bible college. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy, but you asked. That's what I'm doing. So what are you doing, Robbie? Ah, one more thing. Do you ever go to those parties on Friday night? Ah, not because I didn't want to. You guys were ruthless on Mondays, Robbie. You would kill me. Yeah, I know. You never went once? I mean, old mom would let me go, Robbie. Well, I just want you to see the finished product of a partier. I partied hard, man, every weekend. I thought I never saw you there. I got kicked out of the house a long time ago. I just ate my lunch out of that dumpster right there. That's where I eat every, every day. I tried to witness to Robbie. My heart went out to him. He never got saved that day. He didn't accept Christ. I walked away from Robbie. I didn't, I, I began to feel something. And it wasn't because I was, felt I was any better than Robbie. It had nothing to do with that. And I think you know my heart if you know me. I, I was just overwhelmed with gratitude to my mean old mom. And I turn around the corner, and I just remember, I, I knew I was out of his eyesight and his ear, his ear, and I just remember almost doing a, a dance and just saying, yes! It paid to listen to mean Oma. Can I tell you something? I'm glad my mother expected me to obey her. I'm glad when she said, you're not going, that she actually expected me not to go. And I believe that I'm here today largely due to the fact that I had a single parent mother who loved me enough to sometimes put me in an uncomfortable, unpopular situation. And I'm here today for a lot of reasons. Sure, a lot of reasons. But can I give you the main reason? Because of a mother who expected me to behave myself. And I want to encourage all of our parents to remember the Bible still says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. It still works. And I believe a Christian mother will learn to say that. Number two, I think a Christian mom says these words. We believe in you. And you can do it. You're going to do great. Is that that something that our kids need to hear or what? You're going to do great. You're awesome. Man, you're the best. Do you know how hard it is for kids to be raised in a generation of... Uh, that, that, that has such a negative, such a, you know, you fit in, you don't fit in. Again, the peer pressure, the negativity. I'm not as pretty. I'm not as this. I'm not as that as she is. The stuff that, that goes on that can all seem to be just who cares when they hear the voice of a mom say or a dad say, you're the best. Nobody like you. You know how many times Chloe's in the nursery? You know how many times I've told Chloe, hey, I don't even know if there's a guy on planet Earth that's good enough for you. You're awesome. Now, I know there's going to be, and I know when he comes into her life, I'm fast moving to second place. And that's going to be a hard day for me. But I will gladly take that place one day. 
That's God's will when it's God's will. But I want her to know she's valued. She's valued beyond anything she could ever imagine. I believe in them. I, I think they're going to do great. You know, it's amazing. I don't mind saying this because Zoe's here today, but how many times has Zoe had to endure? What's, what's the guy, Cameron, from uh, CMA? Yeah, he's a great player. And probably, if Zoe wasn't my son, he would have been the best player in the league. But Zoe's my son. Right, right, Brother Sims? You know, Miss Sims, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, it don't matter how good he was. He wasn't as good as my boy. And every time Zoe came home and CMA would beat us and Cameron would end up scoring more than Zoe, it wasn't because Zoe couldn't have scored more because his daddy thought he could have. And even if he couldn't, his daddy thought he could. Are you getting the point? The point is, and I'm not just saying that because it's in the message, I believed it. I believe in my children. And we need to believe in our children. Blessed are the children who have parents that believe in them. Our kids need to know we believe in them. You know, I think this applies to not just our children, but it applies just in life. Last week, in 2003, I showed you a picture of the first championship team in the history of gospel-like Christian schools. And that was a season of six years where we never lost a championship. We had... We had players being scouted by Division I schools and Division II schools, and we reigned for six years and had a record of like 130 and like six losses. But there was a day in 2003 when at the end of the season, our record was 11 and 18. And that's a bad year. I mean, if you've ever been around basketball, you don't want to finish the year 11 and 18. And at the end of the year, you're the last place team in the conference. And, and everybody goes to the state championship. But guess what? If you're an eighth seed, which we were, who do you play first? You play the first seed. Let me introduce you to the first seed. The first seed that year was Jacksonville Christian School. Their record was 33 and 1. They played us twice and beat us by 40 plus. They were good. They had a really good player. <clears throat> their, their best player was being scouted by teams, and he was, he was good. I mean, he was, he, the, the bad part about it is he knew he was good. God forbid we ever have anybody that's good and knows it. I mean, they chew gum differently. They do layups differently. They walk differently. It's just maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I don't like it. He was good and knew it. Well, I get to the gym. Let me tell you something else about being the, the low seed. You always play the first game with no fans. Okay? It's like you can't get a break. I walk in the gym that morning, and my kids, I dropped them off, and they went to the locker room, and they're getting changed. They don't want to play. They're so discouraged. I'm halfway discouraged. I walk in the gym, and I heard somebody respectfully say, hey, there's Brother Capace, Coach Capace. He coaches gospel life. Then I heard them disrespectfully say after that, his team stinks. <laughs> well, you know, he may have been right, but hey, could have put it nicer. But it's just the way I needed to hear it. There's Coach Capace. His team stinks. And I got to thinking, that's what my team thinks they, they think they stink. Why? Because maybe I haven't encouraged them enough. So I get to the locker room. 
Let me introduce you to a couple of our players. One was Jamie Wagner, used to be Jamie Kane's son, Zach. Zach was a senior that year. Zach was not the best player in the league. He was the best player on our team. And then there was a guy named Andrew Payne. Andrew was two foot two. Okay, a little taller. A little taller. He was our point guard. <clears throat> but he was our second best player. We didn't have anybody that could dunk it. Their best player was slam it, slamming it. You know, he was in the warm-ups. I get to the locker room, and it hits me about the time I get there. There's Brother Capace. His team stinks. And I'm thinking, man, we can't go out like this. So I get in the locker room, and I lose it. And if you know me, you know that I have this, especially with sports, I have this, this thing that happens to me at times where I just go into another world, another zone. I'm a one-tracker, and I'm just thinking of that. And I get in the locker room, and I look at my players, and I said, guys, I said, everybody front and center. Well, they had been putting there. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. They wanted the game to be over already. All of a sudden, things are flying. They end up in the center of the locker room. They're looking at me. You know, I'm the pastor and the coach. There's a little fear there. They're like, well, what did we do wrong? My gentlemen, can I tell you what I just heard? I just walked into the gym and they said, there's Brother Capace. His team stinks. Gentlemen, I don't believe that. I believe you guys got something in you. And I went on and gave a speech that, honestly, if it would have been recorded, it would have gone down like with the Gettysburg Address. I'm serious. I just wish they would have recorded it. I'm telling you, it would have been like in the annals of history, Coach Capace's famous speech in the locker room. It's unbelievable. I mean, after I finished, the guys were literally, Mo was like two. He was in there, you know. He was a little kid on the bench. They were like, they, you would have thought they could have climbed Mount Everest. They were so pumped. They ran out of the locker room. They forgot the team was 33-1. and one. I remember the best player looking at our guys thinking, they actually think they're going to win. Okay, fourth quarter up by 17. 11 and 18. 33-1. and one. Our guys were playing with all their hearts. We're beating the number one seed. They're going to be out of the tournament. I look over at their coach, who before the game was sitting on the bench, chewing gum with his legs crossed, not even worried about this. Now he's like crying, guys, what's happening? I'm loving every minute of this. I'm like, this is hilarious. Well, we beat them. We advanced. We beat the next team. We advanced. We beat the next team. Won the state championship. With our best player not being the best player, with our point guard being a short little kid, and with the guy that hit the last second shot being a bus kid, one ki- a kid that rode our bus, his name's Dennis Dunk. I just saw Dennis the other day. He doesn't go to church. Wish he did. He's probably 30. Stuck his head out of the car. Hey, coach! I said, Dennis! I was walking down the street. He just yelled at me. He said, hey, still, still champs. I said, I know, man, you hit that shot, bro. You the man. You know why those guys beat that? Listen, J.D. Weedo, an old friend, said this about that game. He said it was the greatest upset in private Christian school history. He said it was impossible. And then I want, I want to tell you why. It, it, they just needed somebody to believe in them. That's why I don't care. I don't walk into a gym and not think we can win. Everything's changed since that day. 
I just know what it takes is people have to believe in themselves. And, and kids need to believe they can do it. They can do the impossible. They can do more than, than they ever think they could do. I love this poem. I put it in your bulletin because I thought you would love it. When I was a little mischievous lad, the neighbors would all agree that I must be going straight to the bad, but my mother believed in me. And just because she believed in me, I couldn't be mean, you see, for it helps a boy to do right when he can say, my mother believes in me. To me as a man, how often there came temptations for which I'd flee. The reason you know is always the same. My mother believed in me. And so because she believed in me, I wouldn't do wrong, you see. For to disappoint her would be too bad when I knew she believed in me. It's not. It is not the least of blessings I've had while passing through life that she, though once I was such a mischievous lad, she would always believe in me. Every child needs to be encouraged. Study your children. Each of them has a different formula to be encouraged. Mo, Joe, Zoe, Chloe, and Glow are polar opposites. It's incredible. It's like, it's like the time it takes to study my children, I could actually probably be a good pastor. But I'm too busy trying to raise five kids. It's the hardest thing in the world to do this and that. Believe me. But I try. I'm not perfect at either one. But I'm working at it. Because I know it takes time. Our kids need to know we are for them. They need to know we're their cheerleaders. Get off their back and get on their team. Sometimes we need to get on their backs. Yes, I know that. I'm not trying to contradict myself by saying we ought to expect them to behave. Yes, it sometimes takes discipline, but sometimes we need to back off and just cheer them on. Number three. The third thing I wrote down is this. Son, Christian mom will say this, God has something special for you to do. Wow. God has something special for you to do. I think from the womb, from the womb, in the womb, God himself has a plan for all of our children. It's in the Bible. Let's look at John the Baptist and Zechariah. <clears throat> Here's a scripture in the book of Luke, I believe. And his mouth was opened immediately. Zechariah, if you remember, Zechariah did not speak. He was, his speech was taken away until the birth of his son. So his mouth is open, his tongue is loosed, and he speaks. He praises God. And the Bible says, fear comes all them that dwelt round about them, and all these saints were noised abroad. Folks started talking about it all throughout the country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what manner of child is this? shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now listen to the parents. The parents speaking to the child. And thou, child, John, you're going to be a prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. I can see John's little eyes getting big, his mouth falling open. This kid's like, what? Through the tender mercies of God, whereby the day spring from on high have visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness, and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John, you're going to be awesome! And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and 
John the Baptist was the greatest boy of women because he had parents that believed God was going to do something great in his life. Man, we ought to dream for our just just believe in our kids and believe that God has great plans for their lives. It seems parents are always battling inwardly over the direction and destiny of their children. Why are we doing that? Why are we so afraid of what God might do with them? Sometimes we, we, we try to, I think that's the next uh, note there, Nate. I think we try to, to, to have a dream for our kids instead of goals for our children. And the direction and destiny of our children may not be what we wanted. When I, when I told my, my grandmother, bless her heart, when I told my Catholic grandmother that I was going to be a preacher, her, her first words out of her mouth were, there's no money in that, you need to rethink it. That was not exactly encouragement. But I'm grateful I had a mom that when I came home and told her what Grandma said, Mama said, I called her Mama. When I came home and told her what Mama said, she said, Mama loves you, but she just doesn't understand. God has a great plan for your life. And she was right. She was right. I'm glad my mother has always told me things like this. I've heard this. I, I visited my mother yesterday. We had a great visit a couple of hours. I got to bring uh, Carol Ann with me. I got to bring Glory Ann. So she got to see her son, her granddaughter, and then we brought Lainey. She got to see her great-granddaughter. It was kind of cool. My mom's virtually an invalid. She can barely get out of bed. She's in a wheelchair. She's very, very ill and sick and arthritis. and So she's got a lot of physical problems. But there's some things that I'll just I'll, that that will never change. And one of those things that I am forever indebted to with my mother is how many times she told me in my life, "The Lord will bless you for that." The Lord will bless you for that. I remember one particular time. Quick story. I'll give you the short version of it. In youth meetings, these these illustrations are longer. You know, I think the older I get, it's kind of like basketball. The older I get, the better I was. You know what I mean? And so the short version was that I had gone to work for Sears, minimum wage, three thirty-five an hour. I got a commission sales job. At age 15, I was making almost $500 a week. It was crazy. The, sh- the long short of it is that I would not work on Wednesday nights because that was youth night. And so I would not miss youth night for work. I just, I had that put in me. I don't know. I think... God put it in me, just to always put God before money. And I, I just, I knew the youth night was important, that I needed it. So I never worked on Wednesday nights, ever. And making all that money was really good. But some of the guys on the, on the squad were jealous and angry at this little punk kid that was making as much money as some of them were. And so one of the guys went to the boss and said, Hey, man, we want, to, we, we, we want off on Wednesdays. Why does he always get off on Wednesdays? And so they stirred off enough stink to where Mr. Robleski, the manager of Sears, right over here in the mall, had to come to me and say, Eric, I'm getting some, I'm getting some, you know, they're saying I'm treating you different, so I need you to work one Wednesday night a month. Well, when he said it, he wasn't really asking. He was just saying it like I'd never told him I couldn't, which I had. And I said, well, Mr. Obleski, that's not going to happen. And he got mad. And my 60-year-old manager boss, the store manager, looked at me and said, well, you're, you're telling me that 
you're not going to work one Wednesday night a month? I'm giving you 500 bucks a week, you're a 15-year-old punk kid. I mean, you, you got it better than any kid in this town, man. You won't give back. He was right. I mean, really. Think about it. I couldn't get mad at him. I mean, honestly, this man had been good to me. But I promised God. What do you do with that? I could not dismiss that. I, I said, Mr. Buskey, you have every right to let me go. He said, well, don't worry. I am. You're fired. I'm 15. I don't have a car yet. I'm not driving. I don't have a license. I call my mother. Mom, come pick me up. I got fired. She's kind of freaking out. What did he do? Remember, she expects me to behave, right? So she picks me up. And I looked at mom and I said, Mom, I got fired. And she said, why? I said, well, he wanted me to work one Wednesday night a month and I just couldn't do it. Because I promised God I wouldn't miss Wednesday nights. And she said, God will bless you for that, son. God has a great plan for your life. And you did the right thing. Well, at the time, it didn't feel like God was blessing me, I've got to be honest. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in the living room of our little house, and Mr. Obleski calls the house, the manager. It's one night. I'm watching sports on television like, you know, like I still do. And he calls, and I pick up, and he identifies himself as Mr. Obleski, the Sears manager. And I said, I began to apologize. Look, I'm really sorry, man. I know, I, I know you think I did you wrong. I'm, it's just a, a spiritual thing. I know it's hard to understand, but I just could He goes, no, 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 it's fine. He goes, I want you to come back. I said, Mr. Busky, I can't work Wednesday nights. That's not going to change. He said, oh, no, don't worry. He said, you don't have to worry. You're not going to have to work Wednesday nights. I said, what, what, what changed? He said, well, sales have been down. And I told him, if you guys don't get sales up, I'm getting that punk kid back on, on the floor. And so I came back on the floor. Here's what's beautiful. I kept that job all the way till I graduated from Bible college in Chicago. That job sustained me 20 hours a week. That job sustained me financially to pay my bills, save for marriage, and do things that you would never, ever been able to even imagine. All because I believe I had a mom who said, God is going to bless you for that. We need to, our kids need to hear that. Our kids need to know God's in control and God has a plan. And then finally, and I'm done, I think another saying of a Christian mom is, and this is at the top of the list, this is why I loved Sonia's song so much. If you didn't get it, Sonia's song was a mother's prayer. It's beautiful, wasn't it? And what, that, what my last thought is this, every Christian mom will say this, son, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you without my mother's prayers. I wouldn't be here. I believe that. Let's look at scripture real quickly here. Here's Hannah. Here's Hannah in 1 Samuel. And God is going to give her a son, but she doesn't know it yet. And so she's deeply distressed. She's freaking out. And she's weeping. And she's praying. And she vows a vow. And she says, oh, Lord, if you'll give me a son, if you look upon your servant, show me some favor. And I will not forget that you did that. And I'll, I'll give him to you, God. Look at this next verse. I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. All the days of his life. No razors or touch his head. Now here's the best part. The next verse. And she continued praying. God gave her the son. The prophet Samuel. And she never stopped praying for her son. 
In fact, I'm convinced if you know anything about Samuel, he was greatly used by God. And I believe this with all of my heart that little Hannah said to Samuel often, son, I'll be praying for you. My mother can't do a whole lot for me right now. But one thing she can do, and she still does, and I know she does it. And she writes on every card, and she doesn't write me many cards anymore, but I'd say about two a year, usually my birthday, maybe Father's Day. She's got arthritis, it's hard to write, but she'll, she'll write at the, a few things, and then always, always, always at the end, always, it says... I love you, Mom, your number one prayer warrior. Every note. She didn't always say that, but now, because that's all she can really do for me, that's all she does for me. You know, a couple of nights ago, man, and thank you for praying for me, my cough, it, it, it blew up. Man, I, I, it, was, it was weird. She thought I was going to die. I mean, I'm in bed. It just, I was fine. And then I lay down in bed, and it's like, I'm just hacking, and I can't stop. And I get up, and I preach on alcohol last week. I get drunk on NyQuil this week. I mean, like, I'm just kidding, of course. But I did, I did take two of those things way too close together, you know. I was desperate. I'm like choking. I'm just coughing. And I'm kind of getting a little nervous because, man, my chest is hurting. I feel like I bruised my chest with this crazy cough, and I'm just, you know, frustrated. And, and then Glory Ann, man, she's been all stuffed up. And when she gets stuffed up, it's, it's scary because she already has, like, low muscle tone, and her, her lungs aren't very strong, and so she's breathing heavy. And so that's happening, and I'm, you know, so the next morning, I finally, I guess, fell off to sleep, probably the NyQuil, right? And I get up the next morning, and I look at Carolina, and she gets up. I get up about 6. She gets up about 6.10, and, and she's getting the coffee. And I said, so how'd you sleep last night? She said, sleep? What's that? She said, between praying for you and praying for Glory Ann, no, I didn't sleep very much. <laughs> you scared me half to death. And I just, you know, I thought, well, I got to pray. And then Glorianne, the whole night, I'm thinking, I'm listening for her to keep breathing. You think I might just be smart enough to think that my cough stopped and Carol and, and Glorianne made it safely through that night? You think I'm just maybe smart enough to believe that it could have been my wife's prayers? I mean, listen, it's either she wasted her time or it worked. One or the other. And I don't think she wasted her time. Here's my point. Moms, please pray. We need your prayers. They make all the difference in the world. And thank you for praying. You guys are awesome. I'm convinced with all of my heart that every child, if they were, that, that's had a Christian mom. And I'm glad we showed that video because not everybody has had that. But if you have, you know that you're here today largely because of your mother's prayers. And if you haven't had that blessing or that privilege, and I can assure you, God can use you for your children to have that. And so I don't know how God spoke to your hearts. I just know this. I, I know I was supposed to honor moms today. I know that. And I feel we've accomplished that with God's help. 
So we want you to feel the arms of Jesus wrap around you, moms, and and just know that you're appreciated, you're loved, and Gospel Light Baptist Church would not be the same without every mother here who's doing their part to make the world a better place. Let's bow our heads for prayer, shall we? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, just a moment, I'd like to ask you to pray with me. And we're just going to pray for moms and pray for God's gift to us. We're also going to ask those of you that are in the building that need special prayer. I mean, you need some prayer. There's something going on in your life. Something missing. Something you're struggling with. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. You've never been born again. You you don't know really what that means. You're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want to encourage you in just a moment to come down and speak to myself or Pastor Butch. And we'd love to just take a moment and tell you how that can be, how that can happen today for you. So please don't hesitate to come. If you need to just stand in worship a few minutes, we won't be long, but we want to give you an opportunity to come and pray or to stand in worship or maybe even just to come and pray for your children, moms, dads, or children to pray for your moms. Whatever God leads you to do, we want you to feel liberty to do that right now. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to be in church today. And I want to pray over our moms today. I want to pray, God, over them health and prosperity and and strength and patience and love. I I just thank you, God, because I know so many moms. I mean, I'm I'm watching the, the, the post all all day today already and last night. Moms so proud of their kids graduating and kids proud of their moms for being proud of them. I mean, it's just been an explosion of love. And I've loved it, God, watching it. This is a great time of the year as we as we see our kids accomplishing great things in school and, and then kids, we, we can't take any credit because we know if it weren't for our moms. I mean, it's just an awesome time of the year to, to hug and to kiss and to pray and to thank God for family. So, Lord, help us today not to miss that opportunity. We love you. If there's anybody here that needs prayer or anyone here today that needs to be saved, God, bring them to that that place right now as we stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?